We are going to be talking about something we've been talking about for the last few weeks, um, and, and that is a, the subject of endurance. And we thought this would be an important conversation for uh, a new year, and it's something that we don't necessarily consider, I think, uh, enough at all. So um, what we're talking about, and, and really the, what the, the, the definition of endurance is, is the, um, the willingness to do tough stuff even when the going gets tough, even when it's tough to do that. And, and, and it gets increasingly more difficult through tough seasons, the willingness to lean into that and do tough stuff and, uh, and not throw in the towel. Uh, we've been looking at a couple verses in the book of James, and, um, and we're going we're gonna to kind of move on from this, these verses uh, next week. But I want to kind of uh, go back there, James chapter... 1 and uh, verses 2 through 4, this is um, such a, uh, an important yet uh, counterintuitive statement from our buddy Jimmy, half-brother of Jesus, and, uh, and this is what he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, having been around church my entire life, I've grown up in church. I can't remember a, a time I wasn't in church. I've been in church my entire life. I, I've been privy to a, a pervasive theology that is um, that believes that when things are going well, uh, for you, when circumstances are lining up and good things are happening, it is the, the it is the product of you being good or obedient, and so somehow good things happening to you are the fruit of your good intentions, your good works, uh, your good attitude, and so you earn them. And uh, that same theology would, would uh, believe and does believe that uh, when things are not going according to plan and uh, bad things are happening to you, the question is, what bad thing have you done to deserve these bad things? And I'm not going to ask you to show your hands or anything like that, but uh, you know if you've been privy to the same theology, some of us just pick that up along the way, whether you've been in church or not, whether someone said that directly, specifically to you or not, it's just sort of a, a, a caught belief system. Uh, it, it, it sounds like karma because that's exactly what it is. Karma, karma, karma chameleon and uh, come and go. So I, I, that, that perspective, that theology that God punishes your lack of obedience with bad circumstances um, is completely wrong. It is off. It is wrong. In fact, that whole approach towards life that you earn good things by being good and you, and you dodge bad things by being good or, or not being bad, all the focus of that theology is centralized on you. You're the linchpin. You're the centerpiece. You're the focus. And, and so much of Christianity, uh, if you've been around it, if you've been privy to it, is 
is centralized and focused on self. In fact, so many messages that are preached and so many uh, books that are written uh, approach even the Word of God as if it is fundamentally about you. That, that is absolutely wrong. It is the wrong way to read the Bible. It is the wrong way to, to live out this Christian life. Uh, this book, cover to cover, is about one person, and that one person is not me. This is about Jesus, cover to cover. Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. It's all Jesus. And the, the, the key to a Christian life, the key to this life in general, is not fixing our eyes on ourselves. It's not a focus on ourselves. I love what Paul says. He says, I, we, we don't preach ourselves. Uh, we preach Jesus. That's the key. That's the hope. That's the, that's the message. That's the focus. And so it, it, if we were to live a life focused on self and just do good so you get good, don't do bad so you don't get bad, if you live that life that way, that's called religion. That's what religion is. Religion is a life focused on self, trying to do more in order to earn more. That is exactly what the fall in the garden was all about. The fall in the garden was a religious fall. It was man's attempt not to be rebellious and walk away from God, but to become more like God. Let me, let me do something in my own strength to move up the ladder to become more like God. It's an upward fall. It, it would some, for some people, it would be a noble fall. That is a noble cause. But it's self-righteousness, and it's the wrong direction. Best case scenario as it relates to religion, the best thing that could happen is that we become better in our own strength, and therefore we become more prideful. But normally that only works to some degree. Eventually we figure out the fact that we fail all the time in our own strength. Therefore, because it's all riding on us, we live under shame and condemnation all the time. And we feel guilty because we don't measure up. Because who can? Uh, Jesus' words, Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as my Father is perfect. That is not a, a challenge that we can accept and, and achieve. It is, uh, it is a statement of, you can't. You can't do that. So throughout our lives, when difficult seasons come and arise, uh, when things are not good, Jesus speaks directly to that. And he doesn't speak to it as if, listen, you guys are failing, therefore I'm punishing you or correcting your behavior. This is like, uh, this is like Pavlov's dog. This is a reward system. You know, getting shocked. It's not a, a rat in a maze. Uh, this, is, this is Jesus' statement to his own disciples about that very thing. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It is going to happen. It is a guarantee. In this world, you're going to have trouble. And, and I wish that wasn't the case. I wish he didn't say that. <laughs> I wish he said, hey, uh, if you're a believer, guess what? Everything is tiptoeing through the tulips, but he doesn't say that. He says, to believers, to his own disciples, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be tough. I wish the things were never bad, but thankfully, they're not always bad. That's, that's the good news. They're not always bad. There are wonderful moments and seasons 
that we're meant to richly enjoy. I held my brand new niece last week, and uh, what a great moment that was. Little baby Arden was born to Allie and Josh, my sister Allie, her husband Josh, and uh, yeah, Arden James, AJ, and so she is in the world, and she's about to take over, and uh, I know where uh, Josh and Allie's heart is. They're, they're, they're going to live right in the palm of her hand for the next, you know, few years until the child gets on their nerves. Uh, no, it never happens. Never happens. But uh, it's such an amazing moment and uh, such a gift from God. Am I right? Such a gift from God, right? <laughs> we, it's, it's, there's nothing better than that. I mean, it's just in that moment you're just like, and I was talking to Josh he said, you know the thing you said about uh, instantly crying as soon as you see her? Yeah, I did that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know you would. Um, it's an amazing moment. And uh, those are moments that we're supposed to enjoy. And, but there's also moments that just are awful, that are not good. And there's no point in pretending that they're good because uh, they're not. And to sit there and be, to be positive is nice, but it's a little misleading. It's like, oh, everything's great. Everything is awesome. Um, sometimes it just... it. So the point that James is making is that through tough seasons, this is what he says, count it all joy because whether it, the season is tough or it's great, it's all a gift. It's all a gift. And in, 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 in the, the, the statement is that God does something through tough stuff. He, he creates something. He does something. He revolutionizes the way we, we think and we live and we act and we believe. He changes us. He grows us. He stretches us. He forges endurance within us, the, the ability to stay, to stand, having done all to stand, to stand. He, he does something beautiful within us through tough stuff that he, he, can't, he doesn't even do through good stuff. So he doesn't, he's not just at work in our lives in the great things. He's, in our, he's at work in our lives through the tough stuff, through the bad stuff. He works it all out for our good. And so the truth is, the way that James puts it, God sort of goes into overtime and does amazing work through the bad. Life isn't consistently good, but God is always good. And that's the focus. So James is encouraging us all to lift up our eyes, to lift up our focus. And he's saying, listen, the circumstances are going to ebb. They're going to flow. There are going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be great moments. There's going to be bad moments. But God is consistently always good. I grew up in church hearing that phrase, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And it's a cliche, right? It's something that's just kind of a call and response. But no, it's, that's true. That is a fact. And so he's good even through the, the tough stuff. And so in other words, our circumstances may vary, but our focus remains the same. The focus is on Jesus, the goodness of God. I'd like to turn your attention to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to spend a few, uh, a few weeks here. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, and there's so much to just these couple verses, and uh, there's a lot to consider, but I want to dive in today. This is Hebrews 12, just the first three verses. Um, this is the statement by the author to uh, Hebrews. 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want to highlight the last few words there. So that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Every single one of us has grown weary and lost heart. All of us have. At different varying degrees, at different stages of life for different reasons. Uh, But we do. It happens many times along the way, along the journey. It's going to happen. And maybe that's exactly where you are sitting today. You're, you're feeling discouraged and disappointed, and, and those feelings are, are real. They affect us. They affect our lives, and, uh, and they are detrimental to our ability to keep going. It's, it's, endurance is tough enough when you're encouraged. It is increasingly difficult when you're discouraged. Uh, it endurance is tough enough when when you're 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 looking at things from a positive perspective and lens and hopeful but to to endure to stay with something when you are experiencing disappointment it 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 makes it really really tough to keep going um 2020 let's talk about that year for a moment what a great year that was huh 2020 no one in the history of the world will ever look back and say, you know the best year of my life? The old 2020. <laughs> um, no, it, it was awful. Um, and we know that. I think there's something that everyone has in common. We all share that. <laughs> That's something, regardless of where you're from, who you root for uh, during the football game, all that stuff is thrown out the window when we, when we kind of reach the common ground of, man, that was an awful year. Um, it was for me. It was for us. Uh, our church. It was. It was not good. But 2019, good year. 2019 was really good, and and maybe not for you, but speaking uh, for this church, 2019, we were cooking, firing on all cylinders, and uh, at that point, our church had crossed the seven-year mark. And uh, seven years of being uh, faithful and working hard and showing up week after week and building and growing and being what we felt like was obedient to what God had called us to do and be. Um, finally, there was this sense of momentum. Uh, I am a doer, I'm not a good delegator. And uh, my wife and I are prone to uh, do church for people and not with people. And uh, we, we don't um, involve people in the working. The Bible says to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're not good at that one. And uh, I've never been good at that one. But for whatever reason, there was a special grace uh, leading up to uh, into 2019, uh, it felt like that was happening, and the thing felt lighter, and it felt a momentum. There was growth happening, and then 2020 happened, 
and uh, it was kind of the proverbial rug being just yanked out from under us. And uh, and so you just we we maintained. We tried to keep the 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 lights on. We tried to keep the pulse. Um, we were paying rent on a building we weren't using, but uh, we we felt a responsibility to do that. And the owners of that building that we're renting from thanked me and said, Chris, that was the only income we had for a year. And uh, thank you for being faithful. You didn't have to do that. And we felt like this is what we're supposed to do and honor our commitments. And and God supplied and God was faithful and, and God was present. And uh, and then we uh, a year after the uh, the momentum of 2019, one year later, we were trying to come back together and what it felt like and probably is an accurate description we were starting all over. In fact, I'll say this. Coming back after COVID, the pandemic, uh, it felt more like starting a new church than starting a new church felt like starting a new church. We started in 2012, and it was not as laborious and difficult as the, the beginnings weren't as humble as starting again in 2020. And uh, it felt heavy. Um, we have navigated, just to be candid with the church family, we, we've navigated scary uh, realities in terms of a, a place to meet, uh, the financial ramifications of starting a church all over again. And through that, you, 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 you give everything. You pour your life into something. And then seven years just feel like didn't happen. It's discouraging. Starting over after seven years. Now, um, I'm using that as an example uh, just so that you can identify with those moments in your own life because I know you've had them. Um, Some of us in this room have experienced a, a lot of those moments, be it divorce, be it being terminated from a career that you that you knew that you loved uh, that sort of change, these changes, changes that are thrust upon you, where you look back and you say, what was that? I mean, I, I had a plan, at a course, and then the big detour happens, and you're like, I have no idea what to do with this. It's discouraging. And it's in those moments where you feel most tired, when you feel the most weary, because you're like, I don't, I don't, you're looking at the next leg of the journey and you're like, I don't know if I got the juice to do this. And it can be difficult. Plans change. Uh, the, the, the plans that we have for our own lives get interrupted. And, and it can be demoralizing. And so the, the statement here is that the encouragement, don't grow weary don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. And I've talked to so many people who are there, have been there, uh, are, are wor- worried about being there again and experiencing that again. Um, if we were to be honest with ourselves, what we think, what we believe, and, and deep down, the philosophy, the, the thing that we have on the inside of us that that would be, okay, this is the way life is supposed to work. It's our belief system. This is the way we think life should be. 
I would say most all of us would say life should be a steady upward progression. It should look like this. Glory to glory, strength to strength, right? We, we would see it as an upward. So this is the way life should be. It should be a steady progression. Uh, our trajectory is heaven. So we're just moving up the ladder towards that. It should get increasingly better. And when they don't follow that, that path, that course, we feel like th- this is the wheels are falling off. You know, there's a game called life. And maybe some of you, there's a picture. I got a, a picture. This is the box when I was a kid. Uh, the game, of, look how cheesy. Hey, we're having fun as a family. Um, they're probably eating pizza rolls and watching Growing Pains, playing some life. Um, I, I know that game's called life, which is a steady progression to the end of the game. Uh, this should be the game of life, I think. The, the next slide. This is, this is what I think the game of life should be. Next slide. That um, some call it shoots and ladders. I just call that life now. Uh, that, that, to me, is life. It's not steady progression. It's, hey, I'm on, I'm on this last uh, square, and I'm about to win. Oh, and I'm back to the beginning. This is what life feels like uh, to me. In fact, the, the original version, the British version, uh, instead of ladders, it's snakes, which somehow is even more appropriate. Um, <laughs> it's like being snake bit. Um, this is how life feels. It's like this, um, it's the ups and the downs. It's, it's being completely, it's like getting whiplash. I mean, have you ever had a day where like, man, I, I'm really conscious of how good today is. Like today just hit me just right. It was perfect to be only followed up by the worst day imaginable. And I think to the point where people, they, 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 they walk on eggshells. They're, 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 they're cautious of being hopeful and optimistic because they're, they don't want to be that jarred again by the disappointments. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, an author that I, 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 I've read quite a bit, she puts it this way. Uh, people are perpetually rehearsing tragedy. That's why joy is the most difficult human emotion to experience because it's hard to lean into joy when you're perpetually rehearsing tragedy. You're always preparing yourself for the worst. Um, This is what life is like, living in a world that is irreparably damaged. This is what our life is like, living in a broken, fallen, damaged world. And that is exactly why Jesus cautioned his disciples. He said, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. This world is going to provide plenty of trouble. What he was speaking to them was persecution, um, death. He's about to personify the trouble of the world by going to a cross and being publicly executed. Then his, the, his disciples are persecuted, oftentimes martyred. And this is a really sad, sick, broken, messed up world. And it promises trouble. Jesus himself promises trouble. 
but he didn't stop there. That's not the end of the sentence. He said, guys, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but I want to encourage you, take heart because I've overcome the world. In other words, the power of what he is going to do and in our, in, our, in our lives, the power of what he's already done is greater than the brokenness of this world. The sadness of this world, the brokenness of the world, the bad news that this world presents. The good news of Jesus is greater than the bad news that this world presents. No matter what that is, it doesn't matter. No matter how big, no matter how painful, no matter how, uh, how, how uh, horrible the news is, the good news of what Jesus has done for us is so much greater than that. It overwhelms that. It overcomes that. That's why he says, I've overcome the world. My sacrifice has overcome all of it. That's the hope that we live with. And, and really, the reality that the author of Hebrews is speaking to, that, hey, I want to encourage you, don't, don't lose heart. Don't, don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Is to take heart in the fact that Jesus has overcome the world. That's his encouragement. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And this life is, in fact, the, 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 uh, the metaphor that's used here by the author, which we'll speak more to next week, is a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Uh, a sprint doesn't necessarily involve endurance. A marathon does. And so this is the Iron Man that's being presented before us. And so the marathon is impossible without endurance. It is not, it is not achievable. It's not even doable without uh, a different gear moving into a different place. Some would say mind over matter. I would say uh, faith over fear is a better description. There's so much opportunity to grow weary, to lose heart in this race. But the author doesn't point out the struggle of the race. That's not the focus. That's not the point. But how to finish it, how to endure. This is the statement. Uh, the, whole, the first couple verses, this is the statement, so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. So the instructions are there. How do I not live in a place of discouragement? How do I not live in a place of despair? How do I not grow weary and lose heart? How do I stay the course? This is the statement. And this is where I want to I I really focus your attention as we wrap up today. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. The author and the perfecter. Another translation says the finisher. The one who, who crosses the finish line for us. The author and the perfecter of our faith. Our circumstances will continually change. Day to day, sometimes minute to minute. Uh, our, circum- our circumstances, if you're banking on those to create for you or give to you a, a happy existence and a fulfilled life, it's always going to disappoint you. People spend their whole lives trying to arrange circumstances in such a way that's like there. I would, uh, one of the best Christmas movies, plural, Home Alone 1 and 2. 
It's the same movie, but they're, they're both collectively the best. And there is a, uh, everyone's seen that, so I can use this as a reference. Home Alone 2, uh, there is, uh, is, is Harry, Marv, Marv, falls down the big opening in the floor of the, uh, the brownstone in New York, falls down, and then to get out, he creates a structure to climb up that is composed of like pots and pans and chairs and TVs, and it's just, it's wobbly, and it's like, you're looking at it like, this is not going to go well. That's, that's us trying to arrange circumstances in such a way to climb out of the hole, to climb out of despair, to climb into uh, uh, peace and fulfillment. It's not within our ability. It's not within our strength. It's not, listen, the world would scream at you, hey, focus on you New, new year, new you. Focus on you. You are enough. I love that slogan. You are enough. That is the opposite of Christianity. If I am enough, then why, why did Jesus come and die for me? Um, the, the focus, just focus on you. You do you. Put all the attention on you. That is the path to a fulfilling life. No. <laughs> That is the opposite. In fact, the author of Hebrews, he, he puts it perfectly. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix them. That means lock in and don't move. Lock your eyes on Jesus. Your circumstances are going to come. They're going to go. What The world around you is going to keep on turning. The, the, the things are around you in your life are going to keep on moving. They're going to ebb. They're going to flow. There's a, there's a roller coaster. There'll be ups and downs. There can be like that moment where you're like, oh, now, Lord, you are good. And you're, and you're like, oh, man, this is perfect. I found the right job. I swiped right on the right person. Uh, I have the right car. And I have, I have the right gym membership. And then before you know it, all those things start to fall to pieces. And you're like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God's like, I'm not moving. I'm not, I am fixed. I'm not a moving target. The Bible talks in, in, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about having uh, uh, this, uh, this anchor, this anchor for our lives. And, and our soul needs that, something that's fixed, something that's not a moving target, not something that's shifting with the shadows. It's not moving you know, there's priorities that the world presents to you today that were nowhere on the radar 10 years ago. They're constantly moving the, the bullseye. You, you, well, now you've got to be this. Where did that come from? It doesn't matter. Do this. Now you've got to be this. You make sure you do this, say this. Well, that, that, you made that up like four and a half weeks ago. It doesn't matter. If you don't do it, you're in trouble. That's, that's our world, and, and that's silly, to base your life on that. That is life. That is the very definition of building your house on the sand. Because it shifts. It blows in the wind. The, 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 the tides come and they go and they move it. The bedrock is Jesus. It is not shifting. It's not changing. It's the same yesterday, t- today, and forever. It's always the same. You build your, I've, I want to build my hope on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his righteousness. Jesus' blood and his righteousness, that, that, is the, that is the right 
place to build our lives. All other ground is sinking sand. So the fixture, the bedrock, what we anchor our soul to is the hope that Jesus offers. And so this is what the author says to us. Part of fixing our eyes on him is this. that Yes, uh, through our lives, uh, things are going to ebb and flow. And there is a pressure, there is a, uh, there is a, a desire to turn our attention to ourselves. Most of us spend most of our time considering one person, that one person is ourselves. How, how I feel. How you doing? No, how, how am I doing? That's my normal question is, how am I doing? And the focus, the attention turns inward. And then we start living life out of our feelings. And so I don't feel like doing that. It's cold outside. My bed is quite warm on the inside of my house. Why would I go to church? Well, that's, that's a logical question if this whole thing is about you. Endurance requires moving beyond ourselves. It requires it. In fact, I would say part of the definition of what endurance is spiritually is moving beyond yourself. The author says this, consider him. Consider him and all that he's endured for you. Consider him. What that means is move beyond me and put the focus and the attention and consideration on him. Move beyond yourself. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. That is a, that is a movement of consideration out, out of me onto Christ. How do we keep our eyes fixed, locked on Jesus? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the way that we fix our eyes on Jesus, you know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. We desperately need the gospel. And anyone that would tell you differently is lying to you. I'm talking about a consistent, steady diet of the gospel. Faith leaks. Faith is like a helium balloon. It's great for a minute and then give it some time. It leaks. Faith continually leaks. That's why we need the, the, the faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. We need a steady diet. See, the gospel is not just the thing that ignites the fire of our faith. It's the thing that continually stokes it. And what happens is the well runs dry, and we're like, what is this? Why don't I feel this? I'm not feeling this anymore. But we've unplugged ourselves from the, the source of the gospel. So we need to continue. And now, now listen, that happens many, many ways. And, and I would say all of them are, are important. We, we preach the gospel every Sunday. I think that's incredibly important. I think it is absolutely imperative that we have conversations on a regular basis with other people about the reality of the gospel in our lives. You know, there's a picture painted in the book of Acts that, that okay, we come together in the temple, and then we go and we enjoy meals with each other in houses. That's what the, that's what the new church looks like. We come together, and then we go do life together. That's what a healthy community does. 
And so that is, that is our, we do that in the form of our family groups. We create it to where it's not even like, I'm not even, we don't ask you to be socially uh, adept enough to go create the relationships within our community. We, we, it's like, here, you're invited to this. It's going to happen. Come on down. So it's important. It's invaluable. And we don't realize how invaluable it is until we get out there and, and we're out there in the middle of something. And we're like, ah. Our focus shifts back to self. I would say digging into your Bible is imperative. Reading it. Get, just get in there and let God do his thing. Highlight verses and bring truth to you. We listen to lies all day, every day. And by lies, I just mean people saying, this is what life's all about. That's not true. We need to be reminded what this life is all about. The Bible says that, that the, this is all shadows. The substance belongs to Christ. I would say prayer, taking time throughout your day, throughout your week, just to talk. And it's not a formality. It's not a ritual. It's a conversation. To say, God, I'm going to be honest with you. This is not going well. And I'm wondering where you are. I'm looking at the circumstance. I'm looking at the person I love very, very much and what they're going through. I'm looking at this situation, and I'm wondering where you are. God would much rather that honest conversation than just the formality of, nah, Father who art in heaven. That's not a, that's not a formal ritual. That is, that is to say that even, even when Jesus teaches us how to pray, it's a reminder. Our, our, us, we're in this together, we're not alone. Father, who is he, who is he to us? This is not some angry old man who is our boss and employer, this is our Father who loves us enough to die in our place. Even when Jesus teaches us how to pray, it's, it's, it's a movement beyond ritual. It's relationship. These are a various, uh, various ways to keep our eyes locked, but I'll say this. It is just a matter of desire. We talked about last week, I think, preference versus priority. Our preference is to live life for self. I, 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 and I don't want to harp on parenting because I'm like I'm pretending I'm a good parent, but I, I will say this, and my daughter would say, amen, that's right. Um, I would say this. I, it is, it, I've heard some you people have said this to me for years and years and years. You don't raise kids, you raise adults. You're preparing people for their lives beyond you. And we have to be able to equip our children to do hard things. And we're living in a culture and a world that just bends and yields to feelings all the time. Oh, you don't feel like it. Okay, well, that's the end of the conversation. Well, life is full of doing things you don't feel like doing. That, that is, in fact, if I was going to sum up life, <laughs> that's kind of what it is. But I feel like eating donuts 24-7. I know. I share that feeling. But in the mortal words of Boston, it's more than a feeling, guys. <laughs> I feel it on Sundays. Um, if we just do what we feel, our flesh is going to kill us. If we, if we do what we feel always, we're, we're not leading. We're not being led by the Spirit because the, the Spirit's going to lead us into uncomfortable territory. It requires faith. We walk and live by faith. Faith is greater than feelings. And often at odds with feelings. 
So we've got to raise our children to understand it, it is priority over preference. I know you don't feel like it, but this is what this is what God's called us to do. How do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? I, I, I want to just I want to share this as we close. This is a prayer. And this prayer, uh, I bought a book several years ago that uh, someone recommended. And it's a it's called Valley of Vision. The author or I can't even say the author, the person that put it together um, it decided to take old Puritan prayers and make a book about them and, and just share them. So these are old Puritan prayers. And uh, the book's called Valley Vision, and uh, I don't even know if it's still in print. Who knows? But I bought it years and years ago. And um, one of the prayers has, is something that I refer back to sometimes. And, and honestly, this past week in writing this message, it kept coming to mind. And so I, I thought I'd share it. But uh, it puts things in perspective in terms of this journey and endurance and fixing our eyes on Jesus uh, even above and beyond our circumstances. But d- this is the reality. This is the truth. And this is why we need the gospel is, is this. This is the prayer. And I, I don't have it on the screen, but I'll just read it to you. Uh, Christ was all anguish that I might be all joy. He was cast off that I might be brought in. He was beaten down as an enemy that I might be welcomed as a friend. He was stripped that I might be clothed. He was wounded that I might be healed. He was tormented that I might be comforted. He was made ashamed that I might have eternal life. My Savior wept that all tears might be wiped from my eyes. He bore a thorny crown that I might have a glory diadem. He bowed his head that I might uplift mine. He closed his eyes in death that I might forever live. This is why the author of Hebrews says, consider him. Consider him who has endured everything for you. And the way that he endured everything for you was by considering you. This, this is not an even trade. What I live, how I live for God is no way repayment for how he died for me. But it is, the, it is the fuel to endure this life living for God, to consider that he died for me. So the encouragement as we close is this. You are going to experience trouble. In this world, you will experience trouble. There is going to be tough moments, and I said this at the beginning of the series. I made the mistake at the, at the beginning of 2020 of saying, hey, guys, this is your year. This is going to be the best year of your life. How wrong can one person be? It was a, it was a, it was a wrong statement, and it was the wrong place to, to lead people anyway. And so I, I, I'm sorry I, I did that, and I, I made the mistake, and I won't make it again. I never will start a new year saying this is your year. It's going to be the best year ever. It may be the worst. I'm just saying right here at the threshold of a new year, there's a promise. There's going to be some great moments. And there's also a promise. There's going to be some tough ones too. But regardless if the moments are good or bad, God is always good. And when we experience low moments in life, Here's my encouragement. Allow the lowest moments that we feel 
to serve as a reminder that Jesus sank even lower in order to lift us up. May the tough moments in our life serve as a reminder of how low Jesus went in order to save us. And I think that's James' statement in James chapter 1 is, count it joy. Count it joy. Because, not because we're turning this into some, a mountain into it. We're not turning this into something beautiful. Jesus is. The book of Ecclesiastes, which is another great fun book to read, the Bible. <laughs> so good. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes says that God makes everything beautiful in its time. He's working all things out for our good. He's turning ashes into beauty for us. He's taking something. He, in fact, he specializes in this process, life from death. The whole picture of our faith and our Christianity is life through death. That's the example. That's the image. That's the reality. Death is the worst thing imaginable. The crucifixion was the worst thing imaginable. It was awful. And God did something that was so miraculous that we're still reaping the benefits today and we will for eternity. That's how powerful the lowest point is, that God can take it and turn it into the greatest thing that's ever happened to you and me. And we, we can trust him to take these low moments and to lift us up. So may those low moments serve as a reminder of what Jesus has done. Consider him and what he's done in our place. In this world, we have trouble, but we can take heart because he has overcome this world for you.